The first thing we may notice is the beat. It's a dance beat, and it's from an album titled Real Life by the Grammy Award-winning string ensemble, the Ataka Quartet. The title Real Life comes from a song by Lewis Cole with lyrics asking what life is and answering, real life is crazy. In July, NPR contended the album as a whole is asking the fundamental question, what should a classical string quartet be doing in the 21st century? Take rapper Flying Lotus, for instance. Ataka violist Nathan Schramm told The Violin Channel, it became one of my missions in life to find a way to bring this wild energy to our ever-growing Ataka universe. The release date for Real Life was July 9th, 2021, so just this past summer. Now, four months later, on November 5th, the group's newest album, Of All Joys, was released on Sony Classical. At its heart, the ensemble continues to ask questions about who Ataka is, especially in light of the pandemic experience when they couldn't play in the same space, a seeming prerequisite for chamber musicians, and what it means for them to be back together in person, at least for now. All of that is here in this album, but the questions, as we'll hear from violinist Dominic Salerni, are deeper still. Not just who are we as musicians, who are we as musicians who play in a certain tradition, and what does that ultimately mean, but also the big life questions that music and musicians have probed over the centuries. Dominic Salerni has an extensive career as a chamber musician and more, he holds degrees from the Cleveland Institute of Music and the Yale University School of Music. He is a native of the Lehigh Valley, where he grew up in a thoroughly creative household with his father, award-winning composer Paul Salerni, professor of music at Lehigh University, and Laura Johnson, director of theater, opera, and music theater, his mother. We had a chance to speak by phone with Dominic about Of All Joys and all of those questions. Part of the raison d'etre of this album was that we realized that, you know, it was a strain to try to figure out how to play together during certainly the first few months of the pandemic. And we went to great lengths to make sure that we were all safe and that everyone's partners and then eventually children were safe and, and all of that. And so it often meant having meetings remotely or rehearsing together six feet apart with masks. So to sort of approach normalcy, I think, has been an incredible relief for us. And so I think we've come through this all together, I think, much closer. There's something to be said for all of the myriad nonverbal ways that a string quartet communicates. And what we've certainly discovered, I mean, we've all been in chamber music for, gosh, over 10, maybe closer to 15 or 20 years now. And, and sometimes you don't really need to talk about things. It's, it's much better to just play it a few times and, and really sense and feel each other. And if, if, if absolutely necessary, then we can have a discussion, which means that rehearsals are much more efficient, and then it leaves us more time to hang out and, and catch up with, with each other as friends. 
when we hear about and read about what you each have been saying in print about this particular recording, it comes through not only when we hear the album, and that's the acid test. Obviously, if it weren't there, it wouldn't matter what you say about it, <laughs> right? in the pudding, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure, exactly. We hope. We hope. But you all talk in ways that are very reflective, very much as if you have come to understand even more deeply what you've already understood about music and the power of music to somehow reach those very deep places and that when you are playing together, you can bring us with you in a way that maybe no other art form can do. Is that what you all are talking about when you refer to joy and the sadness and those sorts of things? It sounds like you're talking in those terms. Wow, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, that, that's really uh, amazing. I think, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to really put into words what those feelings are, and sometimes, you know, it's a collection of feelings or conflicting feelings, actually. Uh, we, we were a little bit cheeky in how we came up with the, the title for the album. It's actually just a, an excerpt of a larger lyric from John Dowland's Flow My Tears. And it's something like, my sighs and my groans and, uh, you know, have deprived my weary days of all joy. So we definitely feel like this has been a, real, a rough time for, for everybody. And to have the uh, incredible fortune to come together and to cathartically hopefully share the, the pain and, and sorrow, but also the joy of being together. I think that is only going to point towards towards deeper things and, and profound things. I want to share sort of a little anecdote. I mean, we were out in Goshen, Indiana, actually, recording this album, and in the midst of playing a wonderful piece called Summa by Arvo Peretz, our violist Nathan just sort of had this moment where the tears were literally flowing, and it, it was just a really profound moment of realizing, wow, you know, here we are, maybe at the peak of our powers, all together playing this stunning music. And so he started crying, and then I started crying, and then Amy started crying, and then Andrew, and we were all like hugging it out, and, you know, just having this really vulnerable moment together. And so I, I hope that in listening and hopefully when hearing us live, people can get a sense of that and, and the, the joy with which we truly made this album. It's really something special. And the exciting part of this album is that you are playing pieces from across the eras and that you've chosen pieces that have something to do with each other or maybe in terms of the musical language, but each one is distinct and says what it says through your artistry to us. Talk about the then and now, the tradition part of what you have been doing in this album. I, I would love for, for listeners to kind of close their eyes and not even look at the program notes and sort of play the game of, was this written in the 1980s or the 1580s? I think there's something very pared down about music written in the Renaissance and also music written in, in sort of post-World War II, more minimalist vein. Of course, Philip Glass doesn't like the term minimalist uh, applied to his music, but it's sort of like WC with Impressionism. I mean, you know, it's hard, hard not to make these comparisons. Arvo Parrott, I think, is unique in that he was much more overtly looking at early religious music in particular for inspiration. So I think, to a degree, there's this notion of through rhythm, melody, harmony, and in particular, melody and harmony was the kind of collection of, of composers that we're exploring to express something deep and profound, but without sort of the, the trappings and the frills of, of ornamentation. So it's sort of funny, the, the last 
track on our album, Our Overpets Fratres, there's a version for solo violin, and I think even a, a version for cello, where there's all of this very kind of virtuosic pyrotechnics and bariolage and the double stops and all of the things you would expect from a violin concerto. But the quartet version is just harmony in harmonics often over a drone. And it's just this simple process. And there's something really, I think, magnetic and, yeah, almost religious about, uh, about experiencing that. One of the things that you probably experienced without even needing to be conscious of it, and I don't mean to particularize it, but our listeners know your father and his music because we've talked so much over the years with him about his own work. And he loves to write for voice. He loves to set poetry, text. You know that. And so was that just part of your household, listening to songs, leader, that sort of thing? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and songs from, from all walks and, and eras, really. I, I think on the playlist you could see or hear, you know, anything from Italian bel canto arias to pop tunes from the 70s to kind of more acerbic art songs from the late 20th century to Gregorian chant. I mean, so I think <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it specifically, but I guess it's, it's sort of been part of a certain aesthetic. And, you know, we definitely consciously were trying to get at more vocal sounds, you know, using the string instruments. In particular, you know, looking at consorts of vials and things to, to really explore how to bring sort of that sound world that you might expect from a period performance ensemble to a piece like Solo Glasses Mishima. So, yeah, I mean, exploring kind of how to bridge the temporal gaps with, with our sounds. It certainly would be appropriate for anybody your age to be performing in an ensemble that's contemporary to span the genres and explore contemporary music. Your albums have a great deal of variety, but it would be natural for you particularly because you grew up in a household with a dad who would incorporate different styles and and feelings in his songs. (laughs) Sure, absolutely. Well, and of course, if there's a theme emerging, it's that so much of what went into this album isn't spoken. And What's amazing to me is, is I don't know, 70% of the album is, 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 is our setting. So, so to hear just the music without the text, I think, is, is yet another lens in, in, into how to, how to hear these harmonies kind of rub in, in the middle of the air. How much have you been able to share in public of this album? Yeah, that's a great question. We have been quite busy the past few months, really since August. It's sort of been hitting the ground running. And we've played, actually, selections from both of our albums, uh, Real Life and Of All Joys. And it's been really humbling to, to see people's reactions. I mean, folks have been starved of live music for a long time. And so for there to be a standing ovation after the first half or for applause to go much longer than we're used to, it's sort of embarrassing. It's like, wow, this is really powerful. And it's such an incredible reminder, the, the, the power of music. And, and having it uh, available live again, I think it's just it's really wonderful. So yeah, to be able to play some of these works kind of back to back, I think it's been an incredible treat, both for us to play it together, but also to, to share it with live audiences, which can't be duplicated. You and your friends in Ataka venture into a wide range of different musics. The album Real Life, for instance, evokes electronica, alt-rock, and more in its sounds. And now the album Of All Joys, with pieces from the Renaissance, right up to Arvo Pert and Philip Glass. When Ataka plays Beethoven, then, you must be impacted by all of what you perform. Aren't you in some way? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I think if there's anything that 
I've noticed certainly in my two-year tenure now in, in the Ataka Quartet, it's that some of the, the traditional ways about things I've really become to question. So Beethovenian subito piano must be played a certain way. No, not necessarily. And so I think part of it has been paring down one's preconceptions entering a work, even if it's a work that's been played and played and played hundreds of times, but also feeling sort of permission to bring personality, bring interpretation, bring one's own personal experiences to the table. And I think always in an interpretation, there's going to be a balance of, of that. But I was just catching myself in a masterclass with some very, very fine musicians saying, yeah, I, I love all of your really fancy ideas, but can you just, can you just play the piece? Just uh, simplicity, you know, just look, go, for, go for this honesty and not try to impress, but try to communicate. How do you conceive of this in your musical life? Because you've been part of string quartets. Where does it fit overall in your conception of what music means to you? Oh, yeah, that's, that's really great. I, I think that I've, I've always centered my musicianship around chamber music. And so to have a string quartet that's firing on all four cylinders is an incredibly centering situation to be in. And so for me, that means that Everything I do outside the quartet is, of course, going to be informed by, by our sound, by our approach to music, by our aesthetic. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not doing my own projects. I, you know, I hope to stay busy and fulfilled outside of the quartet, which I think is healthy for any string quartet player, any chamber musician to have that, whether it's teaching or whether it's a social justice project or whether it's just exploring different repertoire or maybe trying to commission a new piece. You know, I think there's so much that we can do as individuals but we can only do so much as well. And so there's something really wonderful about getting to share your own personal experiences in a group and using that as a way to, to be fulfilled and then in, inform and inspire your individual projects. Let me just ask you about the biggest piece on the album, and that's the Philip Glass String Quartet with music from the film Mishima. What's the relationship between what you perform on this recording, the quartet, and what was used mm. in the film? Yeah, that's a really great... I, this is such an, a fascinating topic. I mean, I think probably a dissertation could be written on it. You know, film music is as much about the music as it is as about the image. And so the way Phil of Glass sort of gets at emotional states in the movie, I think is really quite profound. Recomposes the movements that you hear in the string quartet form with electric guitar, sometimes with string orchestra. You know, it depends on what part of the movie you're sort of talking about because it's, a, it's a, called A Life in Four Chapters. But it's constantly is changing style visually. It's also changing time period. It kind of does these flashbacks and then flash forwards. And so it really uses all of the pyrotechnics that you might imagine from the cinematic uh, end of things to tell this visual story, which is very compelling. And yet there's this sort of grounding element, which is yeah. the music. And sometimes, this is my own personal take, but sometimes it's more effective than others. I think what you get in the string quartet is sort of akin to what you might expect from a dance suite. You know, if you take the ballet Prokofiev's Romeo and Juliet, for example, and, you know, you're going to sit and watch the whole thing, that's going to be a very different experience than hearing suite number two from the ballet. So in the sense that you might expect from an opera suite, sort of best of bits from an opera excerpted and then performed on the stage, I feel like there's something akin to that here in this quartet because what you hear in the quartet is actually quite out of order with the way you would hear it in the movie. And so it kind of exists in its own emotional place and actually I think says something rather different from how, how those musical excerpts are used and kind of woven into the movie. And so you have the big glass work, you have pieces from the Renaissance, and you end with the Arvo Pert. 
somehow in listening to the album, it does seem as if there is an arc. For, for all of the music nerds out there, you know, if you analyze the key structures of how we've positioned the pieces, you'll see that we tried to, to get it as close as possible so that we're making relationships not only across time, but across styles. So leading in from, from one key area to another, I think, you know, is one way of creating not necessarily a program, but definitely sort of a flow. So we definitely were conscious of that uh, when we assembled this, this particular curated set of, set of works. Award-winning violinist Dominic Salerni of the esteemed Ataka Quartet speaking about the ensemble's newest album, Of All Joys, released by Sony Classical, featuring a wide range of composers and time periods, Arvo Pert, Suma, and that opens the album, and Fratres, this piece, closes the album. There are pieces by Luca Marenzio and Allegri, John Bennett, Clemens Non Papa, and those earlier pieces of fantasy and six parts by Orlando Givens, and string quartet number three, Mishima, by Philip Glass. We have a chance to speak with Dominic Salerni from time to time. He is a native of the Lehigh Valley, where he grew up, as we suggested at the start, in the creative household of Paul Salerni and Laura Johnson. And he even played here at the WVIA studios as a young violinist. We have been watching and talking with him throughout his career and are so pleased and proud to have a chance to talk to him about his newest endeavor. Of All Joys is the title of the album, released by Sony Classical, and it is the esteemed Ataka Quartet. And for more information, on the web, atakaquartet.com. And that is spelled A-T-T-A-C-C-A, quartet.com. Atakaquartet.com. Our guest today, violinist Dominic Salerni.